Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We wrote Acts, we wrote the, the Gospel of Luke, and we believe that he's helped Paul out on, on many of his journeys. And uh, again, I just, I look at what God did in having a doctor, you know, just a guy who was a doctor, a guy who had that pedigree, he had that, that knowledge, um, but he got saved and he had devoted himself to the ministry. And I mean, could he have been somewhere else having a practice? He could have, but he took himself and he said, man, even though I have this knowledge, even though I have this ability, even though I have all this, he says, I'm devoting myself to that which is eternal. Do you feel stuck in a rut? Are you trying to get rid of the things in your life that are dragging you down, but just can't seem to make it happen? Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that through Jesus, you can be made a new creation. Let go of the burdens that are holding you back and give it all to Him. You will never be able to save yourself. It's only through Jesus that you can wash yourself clean from your past. Stop tying your worth to your failures and follow Him to everlasting life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. All right, well, as we come to the close of this book, a few things. Paul's last letter... Uh, This is the last thing that he wrote before he would die for his faith. Um, We saw the last book of First Timothy and this book uh, both addressed to this young man, Timothy. This would be uh, someone that Paul viewed and looked at as someone he was passing the baton to. Uh, Timothy was a young man that Paul considered a son in the faith. Uh, He had a deep love for him. He he said of Timothy that there was no one else that he had like Timothy who could who could just uh, wherever. If if Paul would send Timothy on a mission, Paul said, there's no one else that has my heart like Timothy. If I send Timothy, I know that he'll do what I want. I know that he'll have my heart for whatever situations come up. And so you may know people like that. They said, if I send that person, they might they may start a fight when I wanted them to give a hug, you know, but you may have somebody in mind that you say this person kind of has my heart. They understand what I would want and I know they'll carry it out. Paul had that kind of. Uh, confidence in Timothy. And so he, he invested in him. He, he spent time with him and he poured into him. And so as we get to the end of his life, I've pointed out several times, I just want to say it one more time. Paul knows as he's writing these words that he's about to die for his faith. And his concern is not for himself. His concern is not self-preservation. His concern is passing on some final nuggets and, 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 and things to this young man, Timothy. In the section that we're going to look at today, and I I titled it Paul's Relationships. Um, And this is what we're going to see at the end of his life. I thought was interesting. He spent all this book giving doctrine, instruction, all these things. But right now, the very last part of the book, Paul starts naming people. And he starts bringing up relationships with people that he had, how they impacted him. Some positive, some negative, some that were good and went bad, some that were bad and went good. And I thought it was very interesting that at the end of his life, the very last thing that he wants to write down, Paul saying... I'm going to write down how people impacted me, how the relationships I've had with people in the body have impacted me. And it just showed me how important our relationships are with one another, that we leave an impact, positive or negative. I mean, he's going to die. And these words are written and these people have to read what Paul wrote about them. And so we're going to look at uh, each guy as we go through it. So look at verse nine with me. The last thing he said in verse eight. Paul said, finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day. Not to me only, he says, but also to all those who love his appearing. And so Paul said, I know I'm getting ready to meet the Lord. I'm looking forward to being rewarded for my service to the Lord. And then we move into verse nine 
And he tells Timothy, he says, be diligent to come to me quickly. First of all, Paul's in prison. This is his second Roman imprisonment. If you read when Paul was in his first Roman imprisonment, he was able to have visitors and people come down. This second Roman imprisonment, it was so, uh, they knew that Paul was going to die. Everybody had kind of fell back. Um, We don't really live in a time like this. Um, None of us have experienced persecution to this degree where you could be jailed and possibly die for your faith. But the same thing that happened to Jesus, where did all the disciples go after they took Jesus? What happened to all the disciples? They they fell back. Even, Even rough, tough Peter. Fell back, right? He was over that. He was over warming his hands at the at the enemy's fire, saying, "I don't know the man." Um, because why? Because they were afraid. They saw how brutal it was. Well, after they took Paul away, Nero is ruling, and 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 all these things at this time is very very difficult. Christians are under great persecution. Believers just started falling back. And Paul said, "Man, there's there's nobody stood with me." He's going to say it in a little bit. He's telling Timothy, "Man, I'd, I'd like you to come to me quickly. I'd like to basically say I want to see you before I die." And I, I just want to point this out. I, I don't want to be, uh, I never want to read into a scripture more than this there, but I feel like that I believe that the spirit of God put this on my heart when I was reading this and preparing it. And so I'm not going to not say it. I read this over and over again. And Paul is saying, Timothy, this is son of the faith. He said, man, please come to me. I want to see you before I die. And this is what God put in my heart. And I'll just give it to you guys that there may be some people here that have relationships with parents or other people that are significant that for whatever reason, you're out of touch. And Paul is saying, man, all the things he could be asking for right now, he could be asking for family. He could be asking for all the, man, I just want to see, I, w- I would love for you to come see me before I die. That's what I would like to have happen. If there's someone that you are estranged from for some reason, um, I, one thing I'm learning in this chapter is as, as, Paul's going to die and all these relationships get left where they were when he died. If you got relationship stuff that's out of balance, that's not right, that's not in a place where it glorifies God on your end. I exhort you uh, that you would you would go on your end. You would go make some stuff right just on your end. You can't make other people be right. But we don't know when we're going to lose people. We don't know when they're going to die. We don't know what's going to happen from day to day. People die every single day. Some were planned, you know, not planned, but, you know, some we knew they were going to go. I got an aunt right now. My aunt's 104 and her health is declining. We know that there's an expectation that any day they could call and say, hey, she she went on to be with the Lord. She's a believer. All her stuff's in order. Um, But other times death happens all of a sudden. Boom. Someone that you just kind of expected to have time to figure it out and they're gone. I'm just encouraging you guys as believers that you wouldn't be having all these things left out. You wouldn't have some parent out there heartbroken because you don't want to talk to them because you're holding a grudge and you won't reach out and you won't call and just say, hey, I love you though. It don't cost you anything to do that except a little death to self. And so if you have some relationship out there, um, that's just the Lord put on my heart as I was reading it. Um, so for what it's worth, if, if, if it fits uh, you, then man, be uh, don't don't let days go by. You be you be quick to do what God's speaking to you to do. But Paul says to Timothy, hey, be diligent to come to me quickly. And look at verse 10. He says, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. So this guy, Demas, uh, this isn't the first mention of him. This is a relationship that used to be good. But now it's fallen into a place where he says, man, he he forsook me. Um, Demas has forsaken me. Paul says, having loved this present world. If you're writing notes, you can write down Philemon chapter one, verse 24. It's only one verse. 
But in Philemon um, one twenty four, Paul is he's closing the book. He says, Demas and Luke, my fellow laborers. So at one point, Demas was a fellow laborer. They were working together. Um, you know, they were he was just greeting him right there. Um, you could also write down Colossians chapter four, verse fourteen. And Colossians four fourteen, uh, Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And so at one point he was a fellow servant. At one point he was given a greeting. But at the end of Paul's life, he says, man, this dude forsook me. He just forsook me. And the word forsook, it doesn't mean that he just went somewhere. He went away. He went against Paul. He said he forsook me. And Paul says, why he forsook him? Having loved this present world. Why do people fall away from the Lord? People have a lot of reasons. I, I fell away from the Lord because the church did me wrong. I fell away from the Lord because, you know, you name it. Typically, the reason people fall away from the Lord is because they felt they, they love something else more than the Lord. Um, we have a lot of we can make excuses. Um, I don't know anybody been in church a long time that haven't seen bad stuff at church. Everybody here seen some bad things at church. Everybody here. I mean, so, you know, it's always the joke. They, people say, hey, if you find a perfect church, what they say. Don't join it. You'll jack it up. It won't be perfect no more. You're never going to have a church full of people that's perfect because people are imperfect, you know. But this guy, Demas, it fell away. He went from being a fellow servant, uh, someone that was, you know, greeting Paul. It's kind of fallen away to a place where Paul says, man, Demas forsook me, left me hanging. He just used to be with me, used to be right there in the trenches working with me. And now he left me because he loved the world more. Um, if you're writing notes, you can write down these couple of verses um, James 4, 4, James says this about loving the world. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And God says, look, the world is going in such an opposite direction than me. That if you find yourself loving this world, its system, the direction it's going in, so you're not going to be able to love me and love the world. We, we're, we're opposites. We're moving in the opposite direction. If you're writing notes, write down 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 15 through 17. 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And in both instances, believers are encouraged, challenged not to be those that are loving this world. So um, maybe you're here and you say, man, I'm like Demas. I used to be going pretty tough for the Lord, but but the world kind of has a pull on me. There's some things in the world I still find attractive and, and they pull me away. How do you know that that's happening? It's easy. You can just look at what you do. You can look at where your passions are. You can look at how you spend your energy, your effort, and your time. If the way you spend your energy, effort, and time fall into a, a, a line where it's like, man, I'm out there in the world doing that stuff. Um, and I'm not available to do what God wants me to do. Some people are not available to serve God because of what they do in the world. Demas was a guy who, um, worse than someone that never was on the team, Demas, Paul says, man, we were, we were a fellow servant. But, says, but now he forsook me because he loved this world so much. If you are Demas, um, beautiful thing about the God that we serve is that there's mercy and there's grace. There's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us of all sin. We're going to see later on in our as we look at the different people that there are people that had a bad relationship who got right. And so you may be someone that says, man, I have been loving the world too much. I have been I have been given over to stuff in the world. And you want to you, you want to come back. 
God says, come back. He'll take you back. Um, he'll clean you up and renew you in his strength. And God will begin to do a new thing in your life. And so um, you don't have to be a Demas, but there are people out there like this. And so Paul says, man, Demas forsook me, having loved this present world. And I want to just say this because I'm looking at Paul and, you know, anybody that's been to jail or know people that's been to jail. What do people in jail have a whole lot of time? They just got time. Now, that could be good or bad. You know, you give a brother in jail a Bible and that could be a beautiful thing. Brother, come out a theologian. He's had time in Bible. Um, there's some men that have gotten saved in jail and devoted their time to learning the word of God. And it's like that might have been the best thing that ever happened to you. You spent that time in jail. Come out knowing Jesus. Other people be in jail learning how to do more bad stuff. You know, so jail can be awful. People be learn how to make weapons out of shoestring, you know, so. It, it can be good or bad. It depends on what you do, but they got a lot of time. And anybody here, you got a lot of time and solitude. You think a lot and you, you're pondering things and the things that are this. You got all this time to think and ponder. And that could be wonderful and it could be awful. Paul's sitting here pondering and thinking again. And he's at the end of his life and he's thinking about these relationships. I remember Demas, he left me hanging. He's also remember guys that have he sent out different places, but he's thinking about these relationships. And so as I studied this, I, it made me go back and consider just different people. You know, if they died, what mark have I left? Was it positive? Was it negative? If someone's sitting in a jail cell or sitting in a hospital bed about ready to die and they're like, man, Bill Buffington, it, 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 I'd rather not leave any mark. I'd rather, I don't even know Bill Buffington. I'd rather not be mentioned than to be mentioned in the negative. Used, you know, that used to be love me, used to, you know, menace me, whatever. And now he, he went away or he hates me or he did this wrong to me. He, he did whatever, um, Paul's sitting there pondering, saying, man, there's some people that really minister to me. He loves Timothy. Uh, he got some other people here that have really been a blessing to him. And, but we look here and we hear demons. He says, man, dude, left me hanging. Um, I think Paul's hurt. I think he, Paul is sitting here saying, man, I, I wish he hadn't. And Demas is going to go down for all history now as the one who walked away, the one who left Paul hanging, forsook him, had because he loved the present world. So don't be a Demas, right? Now, the last part of verse 9 um, he said that um, so he let Demas having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Then he says Cretans for Galatia and Titus for Dalmatia. So Cretans, this is another individual. He didn't fall away or he didn't forsake Paul. This guy was probably sent out uh, on a ministry out in Cretans. Name means fruit or growing. We don't really hear any other, there's no other mention of him in scripture, but right here we know that he left to go to Galatia, which we know where Paul had established work there. And so it's probably he went to Galatia to do something for ministry, to see about the work, uh, may have been delivering things for Paul. Titus, who that's going to be the next book that we, we cover when we finish 2 Timothy today. Um, it says Titus had left for Dalmatia. Titus was, we'll find another one of Paul's close friends. Um, as he wrote the letter to Timothy, two letters, he also wrote an entire letter to Titus. And he had, for Titus, he set him up uh, on the island of Crete. He gave him an uh, area and, and, and directions in order how to set up ministry where he is. And so Titus is someone that Paul appreciated, that, that stood with him in ministry. And then look at verse 11. Only Luke is with me. And I want to just point out real quick, this is the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. Um, he wrote the book of Acts. Um, Luke, anybody know what Luke's job used to be, what, what Luke does? He's a doctor, he's a physician, so it's kind of cool. Paul had his personal, you know, as he journeyed a lot, he had his own personal doctor, which I think was good because Paul was always getting beat up. 
Um, he had eye issues. He had all these different things going on. He got stoned in one place. So to have your, you know, your boy Luke there, like, I got you, Paul. I'm going to tend to, you, you know, patch him up and, you know, figure out what medicines he needs or whatever. He had Luke with him. And, you know, there are points at which we believe that Luke took over the writing uh, on Paul's behalf. And so he says, man, only Luke is with me. And so in Paul's time in Rome, where many have forsook him, he said, hey, Luke, Luke hung out. Luke, Luke stood by me. Dr. Luke. We don't know, you know, when I think of Luke, Luke is not like a Peter. We, it's not because Luke was tough. Not because Luke was, you know, a, he just stood with Paul. He said, only look, only Luke is with me at this place right here. Maybe you know some people that you say, man, in, in the roughest time of my life, um, these people just, they just seem, they be, they're with me. They stand with me. The, the scriptures say a, a, a brother's born for the day of adversity. And um, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's the Lord. Um, but there are people that we have in our lives that we find that, man, when I really go through it, these people right here, or that person, they're individuals that, you know, they just stand with you in prayer. They're going to be there. They're going to be a support. Um, they're going to pray. They're, they care. They're going to they just gonna stand with you in, in dark days and difficult times. Those are valuable people. Especially when you go through it. Those people become very important. Paul says, right now, everybody else is so worried about themselves, they gone. Luke stood with me. Only Luke. Luke hung in here. Um, Luke stood with me. Um, again, he, you know, he, he's wrote several books. Uh, a couple, he wrote Acts. He wrote the, the Gospel of Luke. And we believe that he's helped Paul out on, on many of his journeys. And uh, again, I just, I look at what God did in having a doctor. You know, just a guy who was a doctor, a guy who had that pedigree, he had that, that knowledge. Um, but he got saved and he had devoted himself to the ministry. And I mean, could he have been somewhere else having a practice? He could have. But he took himself and he said, man, even though I have this knowledge, even though I have this ability, even though I have all this, he says, I'm devoting myself to that which is eternal. Um, he could be healing people up over here. He could, again, he could have had a, a little whatever it would have been. I don't know. They didn't have a doctor's office back then. Um, and reading and studying about doctors in this day, most time rich people had their own doctor. Um, so if you were rich, you, you, you had a doctor that you paid. He lived at your house. My little Johnny's got a cold. Just call the doctor downstairs, you know, come take care of him. Um, I, people can't do that today, but that's how it was back then. And Luke had committed himself to the ministry. And that speaks to me of someone that says, look, I, I, I could have more stuff. I could be pursuing other things, but the Lord had really gotten a hold of him. And he had put his energy, his effort, his heart into that which would matter for all eternity. And so I would challenge us to consider what you're doing with the better part of your life. Um, maybe you have some knowledge and some skill and some degrees and some know-how. And maybe God wants to actually use you in the field where you have all this expertise. But um, for some people, they get a whole bunch of expertise. And God says, now I want you to, I, I let you get all of that. Now I want you to take all of that and use it here for my glory in a way that's going to benefit someone else and not you. Will we do it? You know, if God were to call you away from something you worked really hard for, would you do it? You know, again, Luke, he walked away from that which he was really good at to do something that was going to be more meaningful. And so he's there ministering to Paul and Paul says, hey, only only Luke is with me. Um, verse the second part of verse 11, he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry for ministry. Anybody remember what happened between Mark and Paul in the book of Acts. Anybody remember? Okay. She said it, Mark, Mark bailed. So we know Mark was young. Um, this week, 
we're looking at the Easter story with Harmony and in um, Mark's gospel. It's the only gospel that mentions that, you know, when they came, there was this little kid that ran away naked, you know, and most people believe that was Mark. You know, he was a young guy, um, ran away, you know, they stripped, they grabbed his clothes and he ran out of his clothes and got away from the, 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 the soldiers or whatever. Mark was young. Who's Mark's uncle? Barnabas. Barnabas name means son of encouragement. And so we had Barnabas who had his little nephew, Mark. And they, some people call him John Mark. He's called John in places. And he wanted to take him on the mission trip. I want to take John Mark. He's going to go with us on the mission trip. Paul said, cool, bring him. And they went on the mission trip. And we don't know why, but we know that at a point, Mark was like, I don't want to be here no more. You know, he might have said, I don't like this. I don't like this missionary food. I don't like getting up at this schedule. Did, whatever it was, it was too hard for Mark. And Mark was like, I'm out. And he left, he left early and went home. Now, if you know anything about Paul, Paul was a man that was about the business of, he was about the work. And so Paul said, this dude, I brought him on a trip and he, he, he basically, he left. He left us hanging. He went back to do whatever. And so it was another trip they were getting ready for. Paul and Barnabas got together and Barnabas said, hey, I want to bring John Mark. What Paul say? Paul said, no way. No way. He bailed last time. He is not coming with me again. Nope. And Barnabas, it says that the, the, the contention with them, between the two of them was so sharp that Paul, Paul and Barnabas, who were, they were, they were like, you know, they were a pair. They were serving together. They split over that. And some people say Paul was right. Some people say Barnabas was right. I tend to believe they both were right. Paul was right to say, I'm not taking someone on the mission who ain't ready for the work because I got the commission to do the work. I want some ready people to go do the work and I'm out there doing the work. Barnabas was right to say, well, I value the individual more than the work, so I'm going to invest in John Mark, and I'm going to spend personal time ministering to him. You kind of need both people in the body of Christ. You need some people who they have a vision for the work, and they're going to make sure the work gets done. You got to have some other people that got a compassionate heart, and, and they're willing to stop what they're doing and minister to people. You, you need both. And so I don't think that Barnabas was wrong. I don't think Paul was wrong. I just think we need both people. Imagine within a church if everybody was just about the work and someone comes in and they're crushed and something bad happened. It's like we, later for that, we got to get these chairs set up, this stuff done. You'd be like they over there in the corner crying their face off. And it's like, well, after we get these chairs, you know, we we, we need somebody to keep working. But do we have anybody to go and say, hey, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and go and we'll be out back for the next three hours loving on this person. We need both. If everybody left the work to go do that and then this this then we wouldn't be able to do this. So you kind of need both people. And so Paul and Barnabas divide over this issue. Barnabas then hooks up with Silas. I'm sorry. Paul hooks up with Silas and they go to continue the work. The mission goes great. Barnabas is back pouring into his nephew. And we don't hear much for a long time as he just builds them up, ministering to him. But at the end of Paul's life right here, Paul says, hey, John Mark, can you send them to me? He's useful to me for the ministry. Things have changed. That kid that I rejected, that kid that I said, nah, I don't want him right now. Right now, at the, end of, at the end of his life, as Paul is calling people and putting them in their places and sending them to do works, he says, could you bring Mark with you? He's useful to me. He's useful to me for the ministry. So I just want to speak a little bit about reconciliation in the body, because in the body of Christ, sometimes there are divisions. Sometimes there are times where relationships get broken up. And there may be there may have been moments where, you know, it's like, hey, we can't we can't continue on like this. And people feelings get hurt and they get mad. What if John Mark would have said, I'm not coming to help you now. Oh, now I'm useful to the ministry now. You know, uh, I don't think that that was Mark's attitude, you know, and Paul could have felt like, no, nah, once you mess up with me, it's over. 
And I just think on both ends, you know, Paul had to come to a point where he says, hey, I'm not holding you back today for what you did way back then. I see that you've grown. And Mark had to be in a place where he said, hey, I'm I'm glad that we can be reconciled and I can be useful now. You've been listening to A Transforming Word as Pastor Bill Buffington has moved into 2 Timothy. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young preacher that he has trained in the gospel. Paul's life was characterized by suffering as he went through the world preaching the gospel to hostile crowds, and he didn't want Timothy to lose heart because of it. In 2 Timothy 1.13, he reminds a young pastor, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Have you ever seen a believer you respect suffer at the hands of others? Maybe unbelievers or even Christian leadership. How did you feel? Were you tempted to lay low? Or did you guard the good deposit you have been given? We're so glad you're here today on A Transforming Word. This program is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We believe that life is done better in community, and we'd love to have you be a part of ours. We're located in Inglewood, California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you this coming Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. or on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can find all the information you need at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, poke around a bit and discover everything we have for you. Thanks for being here today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back again next time, and we hope you'll be too for a transforming word. Transforming Word